If science tells us how things work, spiritual principles teach us how we apply them in our lives. So when we hear something new and make a shift in our mind, in our heart, and in our body, we make room for wisdom to emerge within us. This podcast is created to help you and me to get to know ourselves more, now more than ever, as our global family is going through a massive shift. Because the better we know ourselves, the better we'll be equipped to embrace life's extremes. Each episode will have a guest or a message that marries both science and spirituality on topics such as mindset, health, personal growth, and business. I'm your host, Arabelle, and welcome to Being Human. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Being Human podcast, a place where we learn a little bit more about what it means to be human, why you've made certain choices in your life, how you may be held back by some of your limiting beliefs, and how you can tap into your ultimate human potential. And sometimes tapping into your full potential means living in alignment with our highest values, doing what lights us up, and having a vehicle to generate income to support what we're here to do. And that is exactly why I have Mitch today here with us. Mitch is a lifestyle entrepreneur running his online business from a Mercedes Sprinter camp event, super exciting. While traveling around Australia, Mitch has helped his own brands and clients generate more than 300,000 email subscribers, resulting in over 5 million in revenue online. That is really impressive. And aside from that, I've known Mitch for about four years now, and I've seen what he's created and also the journey he's been on in his life and in his business. So today we're going to check about how Mitch has created his lucrative lifestyle business, how he runs Summits online so successfully, and also a bit about what makes him successful in what he does. So without further ado, welcome, Mitch. Super excited that you're with us here today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to share some fun information today. Before we get into our conversation today, if I were to ask people around you to describe you in three words, what would they say? It's a good question. I would say, number one, they would say it would be driven. Number two would be healthy. And mm-hmm. I think number three would probably be a little bit weird. <laughs> I say that in, in, in the best of ways, a little bit of tongue in cheek, but I think I, I often say the phrase, sometimes I feel like I'm going insane in an insane world. And I, I it's tend to be the weird ones that I looked at as being that way. Whereas I just think I'm just, you know, living life how it's supposed to. Well, if you weren't weird, Mitch, you wouldn't be on this call with me. <laughs> <laughs> so you call yourself a lifestyle entrepreneur. What is a lifestyle entrepreneur? I'm really glad you asked that because it is a word that we sometimes hear and don't really understand. For me, I'm really passionate about designing my lifestyle first. So what are the things that I want to do? Like the places that I want to travel, the experiences I want to have, like right now where I'm living in my van, traveling around Australia, all of those things that make me really happy, all of those things that make me really fulfilled. How can I prioritize them first and then create a business that fits in around those things? Because what I what used to be, the, I think maybe a bit of an old paradigm that's starting to become obsolete now is people were, were so focused on business or so focused on their careers that they forgot about everything else. And then all of a sudden, you know, you make all of this money, but then you're sick or you're unfulfilled or 
you're depressed. And I, I just saw that as a common pattern that I didn't want to follow. And that's why I do what I do now. I'm just really passionate about sharing how others can choose their lifestyle first as well, but also make a, hopefully a lucrative income around that through an online business. How did you become one? Like, when did you actually start your lifestyle business and you were working in the corporate before, right? Yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of different, I guess, jobs along the way while I was sort of figuring out the online business stuff. So it was just over five years, five and a half years ago, I I was working in Sydney CBD. I had a really good friend that I traveled with a couple of years ago who was living in Thailand and he'd been there for about three or four months making a little bit of money as an affiliate marketer. At, at the time, I sort of, I was researching online business. I sort of knew what an affiliate marketer did, but I sort of didn't. It was just fortunate enough. He invited me to go stay with him and I had a little bit of money in the bank. So I did. I went over and lived in Thailand for six months. And while I was there with him, that's where it all started. I learned more about affiliate marketing. So what does that entail? How can I sell other people's products and make a commission? I learned how to design websites and set up WordPress websites and all of that type of stuff. We even launched a couple of courses on udemy.com, which still sit there today. I would then definitely not my best pieces of work, but they still pay me, you know, 50 to hundred US dollars a month, even though I haven't touched them for five years, which is super cool. I learned everything else that sort of makes up, you know, what you need to know for, for an online business. So while we were there, we decided that we wanted to create a men's lifestyle blog. And this lifestyle blog, we're going to talk about fitness and health and personal development, things like that. However, it didn't take off and have much success like we were hoping for it to, but that's what got me started. So I, yeah, I guess that's a, a bit of a long-winded answer to say I've tried quite a few things over the years. I think what makes a massive difference between people who make it and people who don't is just that perseverance because a lot of times people just expect to be successful straight away where it's not typically not the case. Sometimes there's an exception, but it's definitely not the rule. So that was the, like the start of the journey. And I mean, I can dive into anything more specific to, around the start of the journey, but it started to get exciting after that experience. You know, when people think about or see other lifestyle entrepreneurs or people who have online businesses, people imagine, well, I definitely did in the beginning that if I have an online business or a lifestyle business, I'd be lying on the beach, drinking pina colada, and then just working on my laptop. But then little did I know it would come with so many challenges. And for me, definitely, there were a lot of things that I built that didn't work. There were a lot of things that put that I put a lot of time, energy and money into that I had to just let go of because nobody bought it or whatever that was, you know, so I'm sure you experienced those as well. So can you tell us a little bit about like, what were the biggest challenges that you experienced starting a lifestyle business and how did you overcome them? I guess the biggest challenge and it's, you know, something that we're faced with every single day is there's a lot of noise out there. You know, even five years ago, there was a lot of different programs and blog posts and some of them sort of contradicted each other. And I just didn't know where to start. And I think that's why I put it off for so long and why I didn't get any traction for so long because there were, I just had so many places or so many ideas on things that I wanted to execute. And there was so much information to follow that I was probably confused and overwhelmed. So I didn't actually take any action on anything or any of the action that I did put into place. It was sort of, it wasn't, you know, a hundred percent of my, of my commitment towards it because yeah, I was just overwhelmed. So that was probably the one of the biggest lessons that I learned early on is, you know, sure, you can learn certain skills from free 
blog posts and YouTube courses and all of that type of stuff. But the, the biggest thing that helped me was having a really proven system to follow to create an outcome. And it's like the age of online courses now where, you know, every second person who works online has an online course. One thing I did was look into the people that I trusted most and like, what, what are they doing? What results are they getting that I think that I could get as well? What sort of um, people do I resonate with most? What sort of business models do they have that I think I could actually use? And once I sort of figured that out, I was fortunate enough, like right time, right place. Even though I didn't have any money, I had a friend reach out who was putting together this online course about how to produce online summits. And at the time, I didn't really know what an online summit was. However, I just saw him together, his first one, and he, you know, grew his email list by, or his audience by about three or 4,000 people. He did over 30,000 US dollars in revenue in a single month. And I thought that was pretty cool. And I invested into his course because he was going to teach other people how to do the same thing. Put it on a credit card because I ran out of money because I was in Thailand for six months trying to, to build something else. However, that was the thing that changed my life the most. Like if I didn't invest in that course, I wouldn't have been able to build, you know, two six figure businesses. I probably wouldn't have been able to travel around the world, live around Australia, all of those things that I've done since if I didn't find that, that proven system to follow. So. That's probably the, the biggest piece of advice that I'll give to anyone is, you know, find people who have been there, done that experience to follow. That's why you're so amazing at what you do, Arabelle, and, and all of the people that you coach in, in your programs, both in person and online is because you've got that been there, done that experience, right? And, and then you've got the ability to teach others and get others to, to that place as well. And then you've got testimonials from those people. And that's really what makes up a successful program that you can also implement as well. However, you just can't expect to get there immediately. Sometimes it takes a bit of time and it took me a bit of time, but eventually I started making progress and, and then, you know, that leads into a whole host of other things as well. I think you're actually one of the lucky ones or at least lucky compared to me because, you know, you found your friend who had successful summits and you followed his blueprint and it actually helped you to get to where you are today. Applying that for me and of course, a lot of people that I see, it's like we stumble upon certain programs or certain coaches or mentors and then it actually doesn't work. In the beginning, I felt like I thought that if I found one person, they would give me that, you know, magic pill or the magic bullet for me to actually become rich <laughs> straight away. But from experience, what I found was I think I've purchased, I don't even know how many online courses, but then they all helped me in some way, shapes and form. And they yeah. all gave me something and it's the accumulation of all this knowledge and also the application of it. It's not just like buying a course. Let's just say like if this blueprint per se works for person A, it may not necessarily work for me. And my job is to not just follow the exact steps, but to find what would work for me. But just modeling what they've done and how they've done it to me, that's what works. So the reason why I'm saying that is because uh, there are a lot of people in your community and in my community who are now getting affected by the current situation, whether they have been uh, in the corporate or they have had other offline businesses or jobs. Now they're looking at starting something online. I'm sure and I know that they are also feeling really overwhelmed. One, where do I start? Two, they look online and oh my God, 
um, there's so much. Who do I follow? What do I do? Right? I know that you've done this and you've done this so well. Can you break down maybe a couple of steps that people need to follow if they want to start an online business or a lifestyle business, you know, something that they can do online and they, let's just assume that they have zero knowledge how to do that. What are the steps that they need to take? Yeah, absolutely. And really good points. Like everything you were saying is absolutely true. I invested a lot of money in many other programs before that one and it helped accumulate that knowledge. And that really leads into point number one, which I'd like to share, which is just get out there and learn things. I spent so many hours and like virtually all of my spare time while I was working in a job, learning different things. And I learned everything from Forex trading to stock markets, to network marketing, to affiliate marketing, to flipping houses, to like creating real estate deals, even though you're not a real estate agent to all of these different strategies on how people are making money outside of the normal job scenario, which we now know is not as secure as what we once thought it was. And I was trying to find what resonates most for me. I think, you know, all those things that I mentioned and everything else, there are people absolutely making money. Like I remember listening to something the other day, there's, there's like adults, 40, 50 year old men flipping baseball cards or something like that in the States, making thousands of dollars a week in profit. When I was thinking about it, I was like, isn't that what we used to do in school? Like, you know, swapping these cards of famous professional sports people for a little bit of fun, but there's actually people making money from that. So what is it that resonates the most with you? And the only way you can sort of get to know that is by consuming enough information to, to sort of figure it out. Now, the challenge with that also comes with once people start consuming information, it, it releases enough dopamine that people start to feel okay with where they're at in their life that they wanted to change previously. So there's this, this catch 22 that you've got to be really careful of is that you don't want to get stuck in consuming too much information for too long. There has to be a point where you start to take action. So step number one to, to recap that is get out there and just learn everything. The second thing is what are your values in life and how can you align that to something that you want to do? And the perfect example is for me, when I, when I finally found the thing, which back in the back four or five years ago was online summits. The reason why that appealed to me is because at the time, and most of these values are still true today. I valued, first of all, learning. So like personal development, self-development, that was really big for me back then. And it still is today. The second thing I valued was being surrounded by really positive, influential people who were out there living life on their own terms, whether that was, you know, building businesses or being super healthy or whatever it was like people who sort of went against the grain and were carving their own path. I really like to learn about them and surround myself with those people as well. And then the, the third thing that really appealed to me about all of that was not having to be an expert. I don't really consider myself an expert. I just like to, to share my journey and I like to um, share what the, the stories and that I guess the insights from my own life that help people see those insights within them as well. With the summit model, you don't really need to be an expert in that particular space that you want to do a, an online summit in because you're sort of just like the journalist. I like to, to talk about Oprah, right? So if you think of Oprah back when she got started in television, she wasn't an expert in anything, but she interviewed all of the, the biggest experts in health and business. She interviewed all of the celebrities. She interviewed all of the big authors, you know, like New York Times bestsellers and so forth. 
And because she surrounded herself with all of those people, just by power of association, she was then given that authority that all of those people have by the people watching her, right? And she probably became one of the most successful people out of all of the, everyone that she she actually interviewed, even though she wasn't an expert in any of that. All of those things really appealed to me and it was really true and part of my core values. The reason why I say try and tap into your core values is because if you can build a business from that space, then once it gets hard, it's not really like when you find those challenging times in business, it's not hard to keep going because you're doing something that you love. You know that it's true to you. It's making you happy regardless of whether you're making money or not. When things are a little bit tough, you definitely want to assist and keep going because it still feels right. And I think a lot of the success that you do have in, in business is just showing up every day. It's just that persistence that eventually helps you to break through because every single day you're learning a little bit more, you're becoming a little bit better and you start to, to break through as well. So that would be number two is like try to align that with the values. The final thing is something that I'm really big on and, and the thing that's really changed my flow of work and I guess probably the results over the last couple of years has been taking inspired action. So I'm not big on hustling. I'm not big on no sleep, all of that type of stuff. I love sleeping eight to nine hours a night if I need it. I'd rather be out there surfing half the day than, than working. So that's why I say take inspired action because there's this funny thing that happens when you're coming from a place of flow where you're not pushing against the grain all the time, where you're not pushing against the resistance, where things seem really hard and heavy that's when you have to hustle. Whereas if you come from this place where you're just coming from a really positive, high vibrational state, you take inspired action from those types of things. So there's been countless times over the years where I was coming up against some problems in, in business or not knowing the direction that I wanted to take. What I would do would be, I would sit down and meditate for 15, 20, 25 minutes, whatever it would take to find a little bit of a level ground and then find where the heaviness is and where the lightness is. So many of times where I've, I've been meditating and I got myself into a really, you know, calm, centered state where I was really balanced again. And then I asked myself the question, which direction should I take now? And I, I just pose these questions in my mind and I give one answer and if it feels, see how it feels in my body. And then I give the other answer and see how it feels in my body. And whether it's a placebo effect or what, you know, whatever it is, there's always one answer that I find to be much heavier than the other. And that heaviness to me tells me that that's probably not the path to take. Taking that inspired action towards the thing that feels the lightest often led me down the right track. There might be times where it doesn't work for people. I think maybe you have to be a little bit more in tune with your body. But that was something that worked really well for me. And find, what I find really fascinating is that when you're coming from an inspired place, not only are things a little bit easier, but you also feel happier. You, you get more done in a shorter amount of time. And generally, it leads to a faster result. And that's the, the, the things that I love is like a fast manifestation of the things that you really love and the, and the results that you really want in your life. Like that's what we're here for, right? To be creating and to be manifesting the things that we want. So the faster we can get them, then, you know, the more fulfilled we can be. So the final thing is, yeah, take inspired action. Yeah, that one is so big though, because for me, I am so good at hustling. <laughs> I can just hustle all day and all night and I've hustled all my life. So that's like my, what do you call it? The automatic mode. And it took me a long time to learn what you just 
shared to actually, you know, in my, like, I call it receiving guidance and we can only receive guidance, whether we you believe in, you know, God, source, higher self, your soul, your heart, it doesn't really matter, but we do feel that within our body. And that's something that I had to learn for a long time. And now making those choices and making those decisions, not from my head, although I consult my head, but most of the time from my body, that just changes the entire game. And also about that inspired action, you know, I got it for so many years intellectually, but for me to really, really know what it means, it took slowing down and actually trusting that if I come from that very grounded and centered place, then I know exactly what I need to do. Then I get can connect to whether it's a Facebook post or a training or even a strategy or a Facebook ads or whatever that I'm doing. It's just so much quicker. If you tell me, I don't know, maybe four years ago that you surf most of the day and then you take inspired action and you get these results, I'll be like, you're bullshitting. <laughs> but now I, I totally get it. I think right now, this is what I've been telling my community is if we want to take the current situation and turn it into an opportunity, this is the time for us to actually wake up to the fact that how we were doing things before is not really working anymore. Like it could help us to get to a certain place, but then when we get there, that will be it. But if we want to go further, we have to start doing something different. And for me now is the time where we actually start doing the embodiment work, start using both our head and our heart, infusing the spiritual practices in our business strategies. And I feel that that's more sustainable. And I think those who do that will thrive more at least in their life. What do you think? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think you're 100% right. I've been closely monitoring this over the last few years. And I find that at least when it comes to online business leaders who are, who are out there, the ones who uh, seem to be making leaps and bounds past the rest are the ones who are openly sharing about their meditation practices. They're openly sharing about how to lift the consciousness of their community all of these types of practices and words that they're saying never were never shown you know just even a couple of years ago there's no more important time than now to be doing those things to be embodying first of all who you are and your message but then doing the things that keep your body and your vessel clear and clean as well to so that you can put that message out there into the world in, in a clear way that people understand and then mm -hmm. finally on that as well um, something that i've been really thinking about lately, I've even been considering put, putting out a YouTube video on it because this seems to be popping up quite a lot as well is this concept around your your the energy that you have is your new currency. And people are drawn to you for a certain reason that sometimes yes. isn't explainable. It's the things that you're doing behind the scenes that keep your energy high, that keep you in a, in a place where you're, you know, quite high vibration and that people are drawn in and they sometimes don't know why, but they're curious to learn more. And then the more that they're drawn in, the more they understand who you are. And that's when you start to build a really loyal community who will, you know, virtually follow you anywhere and doing whatever you do, as long as you continue to do it for the right reasons. 
And that's where the real long lasting change comes from. And I think we're all in this to help people become better in some way or to get their, our products out to them so they can become better in some way. So by us keeping ourselves in that, in that state, in that vi high vibration, then it's going to draw the right people in who are going to, you know, continue to create that ripple effect out onto millions more. And yeah, that's really how we do um, help mm. rise the vibration and the consciousness of the planet and, you oh. know, and do and do something that's really fulfilling for us at the same time. Yes. Yes. So coming back to the steps that you were saying, number one is for those who want to start a lifestyle business or online business, get out there and learn to find out their highest values and do things that support their highest values. And three, take inspired action. Right. And I would add number four, which something you just mentioned, which I am a big believer. And actually, it's not about even a big believer. It's when I found out about that, everything changes in my business and in my life. And that is energy, really working on our energy and understanding our energy. And I say that, I don't know about you, for me, as you probably know, recently I expanded into a new market and now I'm serving the Burmese market. It's not just like Burma, it's Burmese people all over the world. Since I got into that market, I've been like, there are people who copied my courses like word for word and then repackaging them, not even repackaging them. It's like literally copied the whole thing and then they put their name on it and then they're selling at a tenth of what I'm charging. Right. And I've had people who hired hackers to hack me. I've had people who, oh my God, like there's so much drama. And, you know, there were many times I kind of felt affected by that and, and discouraged. Should I be going in that market? Should I still continue to serve the people? You know, all that kind of thoughts came in. But then I had to remind myself, you know what, they can copy everything. Uh, I mean, if they want to, but I mean, one of them is about to receive a letter from my lawyer. Uh, so now like, I'm like, okay, if you want to copy, you can copy if you can do all of that. But one thing that you cannot ever copy is my energy because my energy is my strategy. Yes. And once I actually understood that, like you said, people just pop out of nowhere and they are drawn to me and for no reason. And now I'm no longer in that scarcity place that I was in many years ago that if I were to show up in the same space as my friend, would my people go to her or go to him, you know, that kind of thing. But now I don't have that anymore because we all have that unique frequency like you said you know our frequency is our currency and people just the right people just come to us and that's like the game changer so i want to talk a little bit more about that in a bit but right now i just want to talk a little bit more about the business side of things you know you run summits so successfully and i've seen you invited really really well-known people speakers on your summits and you do it so well I want to know, number one, firstly, like what contributes to that success in addition to everything that you just mentioned, like um, for your summits to be so successful, for you to be able to bring on these really well-known guests, even when you were starting out, what did you do right? Like, and then what are the things that people can do so that they can also do the same thing in their own industries? It's a great question because a lot of people reach out I mean, I don't know if they're learning these types of ways to reach out 
but or they this they're sort of just in that mentality but what i find is when most people are reaching out when they're first getting started to get you know different experts on on their podcasts or their their online summits they're reaching out in a way that's very it's all about them right it's all about how can how this speaker can help you grow your business or grow your online summit so they're reaching out and saying, hey, you know, I need you to um, be, speak on this summit and promote the summit and all of that type of stuff. Whereas even though this person might be very new and I, even from the very start, that didn't feel right for me. I, I guess I have maybe some self-awareness to, to know that, you know, I'm reaching out to, to these experts in this field who have been working their entire lives, some of them for 20, 30, 40 years to master their craft, to build these businesses that are doing seven or eight figures. And they've been cultivating their experience and knowledge and community for many, many years. So why would I have any right to go and ask them to promote my stuff to, to their community when they don't even know who I am? They don't know what it's going to look like. They don't know what the interview is going to be about. So that was one thing that we did pretty virtually opposite to what everyone else did when we were reaching out to speakers back in the early days. So our reach outs to them would be something along the lines of, Hey, you know, a list speaker, I've been following you for years. I really love that, that talk that you gave on this particular subject really helps me with whatever I was trying to achieve. We're putting together this online summit. All we really want from you is just 30 minutes of your time. Um, would be lots of fun. We're going to put you in front of our audience who, um, and we're going to reach this many people. We don't have any promotional requirements from you. We just think you have really great information that we'd love to share. So that's what we did. And not only did we do that in, as our reach out, but we also created videos instead of emails because everybody's getting an email, right? Especially these people at the top of their game, they're getting dozens of emails per day of people requesting their time for different things. So what we did was we'd send video invitations to them and that sort of, you know, put us above the rest of the people out there. So we did that and um, it just worked. Like, I think when you do video as well, coming back to what we we're just talking about, Arabelle, is that people feel the energy behind the invitation. It's really hard to feel the energy behind a, an email, but when you're putting even just your voice, maybe an audio message or uh, a video message out there, people feel the energy behind that. And it's just that it just gets them over the line to say yes, where they might've said no before. So we did that, which means we created hundreds and hundreds of videos over the years to reach out to people, to get them onto the summit. And, you know, 50% of them or more actually said no for whatever reason. However, we had some really amazing people and, and it continues to work to this day. So that was really the biggest thing that set us apart. So, it did mean that we sort of grew a little bit slower in the early days because typically the way a summit works is that every, everyone is supposed to promote so that the summit grows um, quicker and so that you reach everyone's audience. However, by us doing that, it allowed us to get higher caliber speakers on board, but then it also forced me, which was a blessing in disguise, to learn how to drive my own traffic there through paid media, so through Facebook ads and, and other kinds of ads. And that skill has been probably the most beneficial that I've learned since how to produce an online summit, because now there's literally nothing that I no industry that I can, can't go into and become successful because once you understand the strategy for one, it was pretty much the same for the others with a few minor tweaks. So 
so many good things came from doing that outside of, you know, just reaching the speakers. We had most of the big A-list speakers are happy to speak on multiple summits and some of them actually ended up promoting for us a couple of summits down the track or a couple of years down the track. It also allowed us to have discussions for an investor who was one of the speakers. It didn't go through because we ended up selling the first company, but it, it opened up a lot of opportunity because we did things the right way, the way that nobody else is doing from the start. And people recognize that the people who have been in the industry the, the longest, they, they recognize that and they're willing to have, you know, other conversations further down the track. So yeah, that was absolutely the biggest thing. Yeah, I love that. And I'm actually doing the same thing as well. Well, it starts with, you know, we're so used to texting or messaging that we kind of lose that human touch or that kind of intimacy that we have with people. And so like right now, I... Uh, not all the time, but when I can, I start sending voice messages or even videos. And that actually creates that connection with people as well. And also for my podcast, if there are people that I really, really want to speak to, uh, then I would send them a video. And that actually, even if they say no, at least I get a response. And then they now know who I am. And then maybe a few months down the line, you know, if I approach them again, they might consider coming on again. And that has happened with a couple of guests that are coming on. And um, yeah, I'll be happy to announce once the interview is done. The second thing that I want to ask is, because I hear this a lot from um, a, a lot of people, they're like, okay, we're, we're going to do all of that, but we don't have a big email list because as you know, you know, some of the well-known speakers, they ask for it. How many following do you have on which, which platforms? Um, what's your email list size and that kind of stuff. And for somebody who's starting out, they might have zero or a hundred people in their email list and maybe a thousand people on their social media. What can they offer instead so that they would consider coming on their platform or summits? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And, and honestly, it is a tricky one. Like sometimes you need to give a projection of, you know, the estimation behind what you think you're going to reach. So the way that I've mitigated that over the past is talking about, you know, how much money we're investing into advertising because, you know, luckily been in a place to, to know those numbers. However, there's also a lot of people that don't have the money to invest in advertising. So sometimes it just means growing a little bit slower than what you're hoping for. Like if I, if I think about my first summit, I had, you know, some 20 odd speakers, 25 speakers or something like that. Most of those speakers didn't have quite a big following. They weren't really well known, but it allowed me to go from zero to four or 500 people on my email list just from that particular summit. Now, there's really two ways you could look at that. Like if you compare that to other health summits in, in the industry at that time, they were getting anywhere between 40 to 50,000 people registered for a summit. So me getting, you know, four or 500 was only a fraction of that, but that's quite a lot of growth from, from zero to 400 in a month. Yeah. That's not bad. And that then gave me a little bit of credibility for the next one. And the mm -hmm. next one I could reach out to, to these speakers, show the example and the results of the first one. And that just substantiated everything a little bit easier, which made it easier for people to say yes, because there are quite a lot of, this has happened before. There's quite a lot of people who reach out, do an interview and that interview goes nowhere. And then the people disappear. 
because they figure out once they start interviewing a couple of people that it just becomes too hard and they've never put that interview out, right? So there's people out there who are very cautious of their time and what interviews they say yes to. So if you can show proof that you've done a summit before or other ones before, then there's going to be more people who say yes to that. And then eventually you sort of like find a, a connection to someone who introduces, introduces you to someone who introduces you to someone else. And then they've got a connection for one of the really big speakers. And once you get one really big speaker, it's sort of as if the floodgates open and everyone starts saying yes. So, yeah, yeah I mean, you've just got to be prepared to take a little bit more time. Think about the long game instead of, you know, what's going to happen in the next three months. I love it. Absolutely. It's really about the long game. A lot of people want to get that short-term gain, which is not sustainable. But if we actually put in the time and effort in like doing videos when you're pitching guests, actually it's out of respect as well, you know, for the, the everything that they're doing. And also taking that baby step and having that patience. That's so very important. Now, uh, I know that right now, a lot of people are wanting to do summits for various reasons or an interview series and stuff like that. And because we can't do, in, you know, in-person events or those panel discussions, now people are taking all of those online. So those who've never done it before, but they want to do it, what are the steps that they need to take to create one? But, you know, something that's not so complicated, but in a like very simple steps that they can take for their first few ones. Yeah, for sure. So I've actually had quite a lot of people reach out to me over the last few weeks, just trying to get some of the same sort of tips. Um, it's mostly been people who have, who normally do in-person events. And the number one biggest thing that people need to be thinking about is marketing an in-person event versus an online event are two, two different beasts, right? So in-person event can sometimes be a little bit more broad, especially if it's a multi-day event where it's like a transformational thing that happens and the experience part of the experience is actually being there and mm. that's part of the selling point you can be a little bit broad more broad with what you're you're talking about the outcome or the topic of of what that particular seminar is about so when it comes to an online summit though you've, you've pretty much got to niche down until it hurts and otherwise it's just not going to work it becomes too confusing and people they might sign up for the free version of it but they're definitely not going to buy anything from you because it's too broad so the more specific you can be about your topic the better. So that would be my first thing. The next thing is trying to also use a topic that is trending right now and, and not trending in a negative way, but trending in a positive way. So that also helps with advertising the event and, you know, getting people curious to watch more because if it's trending, it's tend to, tends to be fairly new. So people are more likely to sign up and the when there's something new they're more likely to buy as well because as long as you package it all together so that would be that sort of fits in with number one but they're probably the first two things and then the final thing is in terms of the technical aspects a, a lot of people get get caught up on this and if you're trying to put something together fairly quickly it can be achievable but just knowing that you're probably not going to get the results that you would normally get if you took a little bit more time to structure everything. But there's so many free tools out there now that you can actually use to get a summit up and running fairly quickly. Like you can pre-record all of your interviews on Zoom free. As long as it's just you and one other person, you can, you can do that for as long as you want. If it's you and two other people, at least when I, from what I remember a little while ago, you can go for 45 minutes and for free. That's absolutely possible to do. 
you, if you're looking at doing an online summit, you probably already have a, a, a website and most websites are durable enough now to actually get something up there. And you just need a landing page to get people to register and a sales page page to put your speaker videos up on and then connect all your emails and you're pretty much ready to go. Um, that's if you want to do it quickly. Now, I'm not saying that I totally recommend that. There is a, a, a formula to the success that I've seen over the years that takes, you know, much longer than that. But sometimes, you know, like the times right now, we're called to actually get things up there much faster. Doing all of those things can, can be really effective. You have a four-part video series, right? How, like on how to create a highly successful virtual summit. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's a really good place for people to start. So um, just at mitchasser.com slash summit. Summit. Uh, so basically that'll cover why I host an online summit. So all of the benefits. Um, so sort of expands on what I've talked about here today. Um, I also cover the top three mistakes that I made over the years that cost me, you know, at least a hundred grand in lost revenue. And then mm -hmm. I talk about the two different business models that I've built six figures with an online summit because most people think about producing an online summit to grow their own personal brand. And that yeah. absolutely works. Like that's what I did for many, many years. But one business model that I did over the, the last year was I started producing online summits for others and doing the paid media campaigns for others for their online summits and managed yeah. to build quite a successful online business from doing that as well. So I basically just share all of those things in the four part video series. I also have some links to other resources and stuff that I've used over the years that people can check out as well. That is more structured on how to create a summit. So yeah, all of that's in there. Yeah, I will definitely put the link in the blog post that goes with this interview as well. And, you know, for those who are listening to this, I highly recommend you go and check out Mitch's stuff because I know he's done really, really good stuff. And having said that at the same time, you know, if you're wanting to put something together, I would also suggest that, you know, don't try to wait until everything is perfect and everything is, the stars are aligned, you know, just go out and make some mistakes, right? Like for me, it's the same thing like I've made so many mistakes and I learned from that when I became a mom I don't actually have the time to put make everything perfect to put everything together just like how I wanted to like how I used to do it before but if we get all the what do you call it all the pieces right but not perfect you know like with a toddler and with very little sleep uh, very little time and I was half crazy <laughs> and you know like I generated like over half a million dollars in just five months and now I have the time now I have the team who's up and running like who's up to speed where I can actually offload 90% of the things that I was doing now we're actually moving everything that I did before, like we just literally ran um, online courses and Facebook groups, uh, which was okay, but not ideal. Now we're actually moving all of those onto uh, a proper platform so that, you know, going forward, we can do things properly. But if I actually waited that, waited for, you know, the proper way of running a business or running an online course, I wouldn't have generated that much money. So for me, it's like, I think it's really important to learn all the steps that Mitch is going to teach you. But at the same time, if you want to put something together, go out and make some mistakes. And at the same time, learn 
everything in this four part video series that I'm going to share in the blog post. You're totally right. Like done is better than perfect. And I know, I know for me over the years, I've said yes to things. I had no idea that whether I could produce it or not, but I just figured it out. It always works out. And I think as long as you continue to hold yourself to a higher standard and, you know, really commit to the work that you're doing, then you always find a way. So we've talked about, you know, lifestyle entrepreneurship. We've talked about the steps that people need to take um, when they want to start an online business. And um, for those who are listening, if you forgot what those steps are, don't worry. I will uh, break down all those steps and they're all going to be on the blog post. And also we talked about the steps that people can take if they want to start Summit. So now that we covered a little bit about the business side of things, I want to use the rest of the few minutes that we have left to talk about your personal journey, because I think it's so important, you know, strategy is important, but the the person who's doing that strategy needs to be in the right space, needs to be on the right path. That's what I truly, truly believe, because like we said, you know, if we want to take that inspired action, if we want to implement things from the right space, we need to be in the right energy. We need to shift whatever that's blocking us within us. And I know that you've done a lot in that area as well. You know, you're very passionate about health. I know you've done, you know, a lot of fasting and a lot of other health stuff that I don't even understand. (laughs) I also know that you've gone to the jungle and have that journey. And so can you take us through a little bit about like a few things that you've done in your life that really has impacted massively and positively in the work that you do. And yeah, and so that people listening will also know that, okay, maybe, you know, these are the things that I can start doing because both the business and the, you know, the personal transformation, they go hand in hand. So yeah, can you take us through that? I still remember when I was not long before I started an online business, I was I was the type of person that used to get sick like all of the time. I'd, the common cold and flu that they always talk about, I get that like every, you know, four or five times a year. So I remember being, you know, really sick one day and I had this thought, it's still so clear in my mind, I had this thought, it's like, I don't know if I'll ever be like healthy again. And I just sort of, it just felt really depressed in that moment. But then fast forward a couple of years, like my perspectives were completely changed when I figured that you actually could take control of your health. And I made a really strong commitment in that moment to not just be an example for myself or me, but also to show other people what is possible as well. And, you know, the only time that I've been sick in the last five years has been from over-exhausting myself due to too much stress from too much work. So Mm. I've not once had like the common cold or flu that they talk about is so common, not once. And what did you do? I think that comes down to a few things. Um, You mentioned, you know, a couple of them there, like fasting was for me, like something that really changed my life. Mm. And I've done a lot of juice fasting. So from anywhere from three days to 19 days in a row on juice only, I've done water fasting anywhere between three days to five days. And I try to do that frequently, you know, back when I was a little bit unhealthy, I was doing that like four to five times a year. Now I do it maybe once or twice a year instead. And just that component of fasting really changed a lot. There's a couple of levels to this. So the first thing is, I think we suppress a lot of our emotions with food unconsciously. 
And I definitely catch myself even to this day doing those things. Like sometimes the, the biggest one that we all know about is if we get bored, the common thing is to open the pantry or the, the fridge just to see what's in there <laughs> even if we're not hungry. Like everyone can relate to that, right? Yeah. And that's because you're bored. Like if you're, you're trying to suppress that, that feeling rather than to think about why you feel that way. But we're doing that for, for so many other reasons as well, from, you know, not feeling loved to feeling unworthy to feeling depressed, whatever it is, we're trying to express that with food. Now we do need food to, to live. So I'm not saying don't go and eat food, but I'm saying like there's, there's a time and place for fasting that allows those emotions to come up. And it's like, a, it's like trying to hold a cork under the water, right? If you're trying to hold those emotions down and suppress those emotions all of the time, that takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of emotional and spiritual energy to hold those things down. So that's why you feel tired all the time. It's why you feel sluggish all the time. When you allow those emotions to come up, it's just like letting go of the cork and the cork bobs on top of the water freely. And there's no, there's nothing that's dragging it down. So by clearing out those emotions through fasting, it makes you just feel lighter and happier and freer. And, you know, you feel more clear headed to make better decisions. So that's the first thing that happens with fasting. But the second thing is on a physical component, the energy that is used to, to digest food is huge. If you're not eating food all of the time, then your body has all of this extra energy to go and do other things in the body, like heal different things that might need healing in the body because the body is always innately trying to heal itself. Yeah, a whole host of other things that can happen in fa when fasting as well. So that, that really helps. And as soon as I started feeling, you know, my I'm feeling more connected to my body and I started to understand that certain foods that I put into my mouth would make me feel a bit tired because it was really heavy types of food. I could feel like my digestive system not coping with certain types of food. So anything that didn't feel good after I ate it, I just started eliminating. And eventually I just got to this place of eating lighter and lighter foods, more dense nutritional foods. So like 95% of my, my diet is fresh fruit and vegetables mm. that is, you know, sometimes cooked, mostly raw. And yeah, I just feel so much better. I have so much more energy to focus on the making the decisions that really matter and focus on, you know, creating things in my business, focusing on, you know, and, and achieving all the things that I want to do in a day instead of feeling tired all day as well. So there are a couple of the big things. And what I'm really big into right now is first of all, medicinal mushrooms, out of all the, the supplements that I've tried over the years, and I was never really big on supplements for a while, but medicinal mushrooms, so things like reishi, shaga, cordyceps, uh, lion's mane, there's yeah. a whole host of other ones. Like, you know, they all, they all serve different purposes, but they have been probably the most powerful superfoods that I've had in my entire life. And they're adaptogens as well, which means the more you take them, the stronger your body gets and it fights off uh, or it strengthens your immune system to fight off, you know, different immune compromises and things like that. So that's really changed my life quite a lot over the last few years. And I simply just add them into some raw cacao, heat that up of a morning. It's just like drinking a hot chocolate every single morning. So it's thoroughly enjoyable as well. <laughs> and, and then also the other thing right now, which I'm really into, and I think the way things are going in the world, it's going to be more important than ever before is some really intentional breath work every single day. Oh, yes. That, that's really been a massive game, game changer Ooh, for me. For me too, yes. 
and like just being able to cultivate that energy in the body and control the energy and this also sort of leads into like more tantric breathing as well which is super powerful it's unexplainable almost like your body starts to do things that you never thought was possible and there's people that are proving this in science now the guy that i learned from wim hof which everyone's probably heard of like Mm -hmm. he's done studies with scientists that he's been injected with the e coli bacteria yeah he can move that out of the body within hours with completely no side effects whereas thousands and thousands of other people who are in that experiment got um sick so yeah there's so much to say about breath work i mean i'm definitely not an expert but you know like it's unbelievable the way that i feel every single morning and um when i do it like i said there's a lot of things happening right now that makes that makes breath work more important than ever before Yes, I 100% agree. And by the way, thank you for recommending me those mushrooms, I think a couple of months ago, uh, when I asked you because I've actually been taking them regularly as well. But that's what I want to ask you, like those, you know, chaga, reishi, um, cordyceps, those mushrooms, uh, you know, they have their their different brands out there. Does it mean that they can be of different grades? And then does it mean that their potency will be different? I mean, I'm definitely not a a mushroom expert, but I would say so, yes. I mean, Mm. there are companies who are very open about where they source their their mushrooms from and there are companies that are not so open. In the the more fitness types of supplements, uh, Mm. a lot of the, the biggest players in that industry, it's a it's an unregulated industry right and a lot of the biggest companies in that space use a lot of fillers in their supplements that's why they can sell their their products oh, at a cheaper wow. price and um, make bigger margins um, which means they can spend more dollars on marketing and getting their brand out there so yeah you definitely want to be um, very uh, you want to do your research into into the companies that you're going to buy from when it comes to those types of things and just you know, find what, what resonates and who's doing the right thing and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Oh my God, Mitch. I mean, I can continue talking for with you for hours. The main things that I'm take away from our conversation right now is that, you know, you've done a lot of things right in your business. And that's built on a lot of the wrong things that you've made in the past, you know, but then you weren't afraid to make those mistakes because you learn from them and then you get better and better at it as you do more because just learning from different people or just signing up different online courses alone uh, is not going to change anything. We've got to implement them. But in order for us to actually implement everything that we learned, the strategies and everything, we got to make sure that we're in the right space emotionally, energetically, and physically. That means we've got to make sure that our health is right, our energy is right, you know, our mind is in the right space. But I think the biggest, from what I've seen with you, is the biggest contribution to every, like the success that you've had so far is, I think for you, it's discipline. I I see you as someone who's super disciplined and and I think discipline is also very, very important for a lot of people. And, you know, people ask me like, what have you done right to, to have done what you've done so far? And I think it's discipline because I could Mm. come up with a thousand reasons why I couldn't get a lot of things done. And most of those reasons are facts, you know, but then I just have to be disciplined because otherwise 
I'm never going to get anything done. That's interesting to me. Like I, I can definitely, I definitely understand that. And all of those reasons totally make sense, but maybe it's just me because in the, my weird way of thinking, but for me, that, that word has no relevance for me because it's just so easy for me to do the things that I do every single day. And I think the reason why it's easy is because I have incredibly strong why as to why I want to do the things that I want to do to share that why, like the, the thing that there's two things that drive me. First of all, for me personally is I want to be on my deathbed at 120 years old, knowing that every choice that I made was for me to live the life that I wanted to live. It was never out of, you know, what others told me I should do or out of fear. It was always, you know, to seek more love and to seek more fulfillment in my life. And I want to share, like have stories to, to, to share to, you know, family and grandkids or great grandkids or whatever around me. Like, there's just something that really compels me to to live that way. And, you know, while I want to share those stories to them, it's, it's not really about them at all. It's, it's about, it's about me to, and it might sound selfish, but I think more people should think a little bit more selfishly. There's like, what's really going to make you happy because when you are doing what makes you happy, when you are in a completely inspired place, when you are in that place of, you know, following your bliss, you're a massive upliftment to everybody around you. Like people will gravitate towards you just to be near you, just to feed off your energy. And that's really the first thing that drives me. And the second thing that drives me is when I was living in Perth, I lived right near a, a, a traditional Ayurvedic restaurant that fed the homeless people because they, their philosophy was anybody who eats there, you just pay what you feel. And they were mm. getting really good, high quality food into the hands of people who sometimes couldn't get that. And I was really, um, I was really inspired by that. And something that I want to do at some point in future is, you know, fund some sort of foundation to, to help support that in other cities as well and get really good high quality food into the hands of people who normally can't afford it and to, in, into the hands of people who can and, and want to pay a little bit extra. So those things like innately drive me every single day to make the decisions that I make and, yeah, it just makes everything so much easier when when I come from that place of wanting to follow my bliss that, you know, the decisions that I make are just so easy. I don't even need to second to think about them for a second. Do you really want to live until like 120 years old? <laughs> uh, that was like, I started saying that years ago when someone asked me, how old do I think I'll be when I die? And that was the first thing that I said. I don't know why. I thought it was just like an intuitive thing that came out. Yeah. But like, if I'm like 110 years old, climbing up mountains, surfing every day, then why not keep living? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So I've got one last thing. I've got three rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What are you working on right now? I'm building a, an affiliate uh, funnel. Awesome. And what's one word of advice you have for the listeners? Follow what feels fun. Okay. And last one. What are you going to eat after this? <laughs> I'm going to have a green smoothie. Awesome. Yum. Well, Mitch, thank you so much for giving your time and sharing 
your knowledge, your wisdom, and just your energy here with all the listeners. I really appreciate you. I really thank you for everything that you're doing. And um, yeah, I look forward to getting everybody to listen and also for people to sign up uh, the four-part video series on how to create a highly successful virtual summit. And it's at www.mitchasser.com slash summits. I'll also include in the blog post. So yeah, thank you, Mitch. Thanks, Arabella. I really appreciate it. I appreciate what you do and, um, you know, the work that you're doing out there in the world as well. So this has probably been the, the best conversation I've ever had on the podcast. So thanks for doing an amazing job. And if there's anyone who wants to, um, you know, feel free to reach out anytime. I'll definitely get back to you and answer any questions. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't yet, please make sure you leave a five-star review on iTunes. That way I could bring more people to inspire you to live your best life. Also, don't forget to connect with me on Instagram. Just look up Arabelle Yee. Take care and talk to you again in the next episode.